Good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's worship the Lord. Let's sing an old hymn of the church. Keep on the firing line.
ask you to remain standing. We're going to ask the ushers if they'd come at this time. And if they would take up this morning's tithes and offerings. As they make their way, I'm going to ask you to bow for prayer this morning. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, we love you today. We glorify your name and we magnify you and we worship you today. Father, I pray that you bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that don't. If there's someone here today who can't give, I pray you bless them so at some point they can. Father, I pray that everything we say and do be for the glory and the honor of your kingdom. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Together, the people of God said amen. Amen. Will you bring your tithes and offerings during this time and greet one another in the Lord. Amen. As you make your way back to your seats this morning, I'm going to ask those that are leading scripture and prayer, if they would make their way uh, up to this time. And they're going to lead us in scripture and prayer, and immediately following scripture and prayer, uh, we're going to jump right back in to a special song and then a time of worship together. So continue to worship this time as Brother Marion comes to lead us in scripture and prayer. the Lord, Matthew 6, from reading the words of Christ, starting with verse 19. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rough does corrupt, and where thieves break through, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'd like to go to the Lord and most of all, invite the presence of the Lord in this place. I want to worship Him today and give Him thanks uh, for He's a good God. And I invite you at this time, let us all pray and invite the Lord in His presence. Again, Lord, we're thankful for your love and mercies and grace. Lord, we thank the Lord. You said in your word that you inhabit the praise of your people. Father, we praise, Lord, that you just have your way. Lord, that you would touch and minister. Lord, that you would just bless and, Lord, just show out, show up, Lord, in this service today, Lord. Father, we again, we're thankful always for your love and your mercy and your grace. Most of all, we're thankful, Lord, for the sacrifice that you made, Lord, on that cross. Lord, we praise you right now. And again, Lord, we invite your presence. Again, we love you and thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Worship the Lord and Sister Sherry, and then come to lead us in our special song today.
just remain standing this morning for worship. We're going to worship the Lord together. We believe that God is still able to do exceedingly and abundantly above that. Today we're going to decree and declare that Jesus, the song literally says, He makes a way where there ain't no way. There rises up from an empty grave. There's no sinner He can't save. Let me tell you about Jesus. So let's worship the Lord today. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, do you feel that empty feeling? Because the shame that's always stealing. Are you desperate for some healing? Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus.
I wrote it down because I didn't want to leave nothing out for what God has done for me. In September 19th, 2021, a couple weeks before that, I got real sick. My life was, everything was changing. Um, my husband had went, had an addiction problem and uh, we lost our home. And I was sick. And so I went to the, I went and I was admitted in the hospital. My hemoglobin was a 4.7. They ran the test the next day and found that I had stage three colon cancer. And said if I hadn't came in when I did, a few more weeks it wouldn't have been nothing they could do. So the next day the surgeon came in. I said, well, while you're here, and it's during COVID, so we got you here, let's go ahead and remove that tumor. So the next day they did. And they got all the, all the cancer out, they said. They ran the test, CT scans, and, and they said there was nothing there. So that was the first time God healed me. He, he just healed me. He just took the cancer away. So they sent me on to the oncologist. He said that we're going to do a round of chemo. If it didn't, it would be like a 65 cent chance it wouldn't come back. But if they did do the chemo, that it'd be a 95% chance that it wouldn't come back. So after treatments, they scanned, nothing was there. So they said they would was, they was scan later in three months. So they did, and that's when the spots on the lungs appeared. There were about seven or eight of them. They were small, but they, they did a pet, PET scan, and when they found the spot on the liver, and showed, said biopsy, it said it was metastatic colon cancer, so that it returned. So August 22, 2022, I started chemo every other week. In three, three months, they scanned, and the ones on the lungs had shrunk, and the liver didn't spread or shrink, but continued treatment. So in February, they scanned again, and the ones on the lungs was gone. The spot on the liver was still there, and they, and they scanned, and the, so... Three months later, they did scans again. The ones on the lungs were gone. The one on the liver had shrunk, but they had another one that they said it wasn't sure if it was scar tissue because it was so close to where I was biopsied. They said continue treatment. So August the 12th, I had chemo and got real, real sick through it. The side effects from chemo, I was supposed to have scans September 11th. But Friday, August 18th, I was supposed to go and do blood work and do chemo on Tuesday. I talked to my husband and decided I was taking a break to scans because the side effects was so bad. I seen the nurse practitioner and she was not happy that I was taking a break, telling me that this would come back and this is how it's going to be, that I would have to take chemo for the rest of my life. I was... I was trying to get a break, but she wasn't going to let me do it. She said that, well, we'll give you a break this week, and we'll try to get the CT scans earlier. I, I left. I was so upset, and I didn't feel good, so I was headed home. And I got to about 85, and they called me. They said, well, we can do the scans today if you can come back today and do them. I said, sure, I'll come back. So I did the test, and in about 
10 o'clock that night, we got the results on my chart. My daughter-in-law, which is a nurse, and uh, then I have a cousin who, her daughter is an oncologist nurse. So we let her read them. And it read like this, no cancer. The spot on the liver was not there. The lungs still good. I had pneumonia, but that was okay. We could handle that. So as we went, I had to go to the hospital and I was sitting there and I looked at Wendell was sitting beside me. I said, you know, this time two years ago when we got this news, I said, we was in a bad place. God, not only did he heal me, he healed my marriage, brought our marriage together, restored my husband. There's nothing, nothing that God, God can't do. And I'm so thankful for what he's done for me. I was um, thinking about a message that my uncle, my pastor, Chapter 42. And the title of that message was After This. After all that Job went through. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons and even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Lord is so faithful. I thank him for everything. You said it.
some folks in this house today may say, well, Pastor, that's a good story. That's real nice, you know, but we know that they are doctors and we know they have chemotherapy and radiation. We, we know that medicine fixes a lot of stuff. And for all those people that die on the hill of modern medicine, my response to that would be, but somebody had to tell them how to find the medicine that worked. So there still was God in it all along. So whether you take the chemo, the radiation, or God does it supernaturally, he still was orchestrating it end from beginning, alpha, omega, first and last, because we're not smart enough to figure it out unless God put a brain in us to figure it out, and he's the only one that knows how to make the brain work properly. Hello? So when we think things like, you said it, I believe it, whether we like it or not, his word, the Bible said, not one dot, not one tittle of his word would pass away. He said it. So if God said he was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquity and the chastisement of my peace was on him by his stripes, there's healing. Well, then, God, I'm believing that because you said it. You said it, God, and I believe it. If his word tells me that he's never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread, you said it, God, and I believe it. If his word says that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, you said it, God. I didn't. You said it, God. And so I believe it. If his word tells me that he, he who began a good work is faithful and just to complete it, well, you said it, God. So I believe it. That's why we can sing things like move the immovable, break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it from the impossible. We will see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. So here's what I want to tell you before we get ready to break the bread of life. I don't know what it is you brought to this church. I don't know what you're going through. But I can tell you that if nobody else... If everybody in this church leaves today feeling like the impossible is still impossible, there's somebody leaves this church today, if everybody leaves this church today and says, well, you know, I just don't know if there's a God. I can promise you there's not one person in this house, no matter how much PhDs, theological seminary you've been to, there is nobody in this house that's going to convince Mary Weaver that God ain't real. Amen. So I'm here to tell somebody today, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the God that was the God on August the 12th, and the God that was the God that got her through the uh, pneumonia, is the same God that can move the immovable, break the unbreakable, restore marriages from the impossible, see miracles. If God can take Mary and Wendell from a bad place and find cancer in a bad place, but heal her and restore her marriage over two and a half years ago. Don't tell me God can't do it still in 2023. Don't you tell You come too late to tell me God still can't do it. God still can't do it. Eternal Father, I have felt your presence in this place today. God, I believe what those words we have sung today are still true today. Move the immovable. God, my prayer today is break the unbreakables. God, my prayer today is from the impossible. Make that which seems impossible possible by the power of Jesus Christ. Because you said it, and we believe it. So, Lord, your word says it is done. 
So, Father, today I pray that you would let us experience miracles and breakthrough today. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, our Lord, and the people of God together said amen. 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 While you remain standing, if you'll grab your Bibles and go to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Book of Mark, chapter 5. While you're turning there, let me say to all our first-time guests, thank you. I know we have some in the house. Thank you for being here today. If you fill out a connection card in the seat in front of you before church is over and either turn it into one of our hospitality members or put it in one of the wooden boxes on your way out so we just can know who you are. There's a lot of home folks that you haven't been here in a while and you are back this week and we have missed you and we love you and we're so glad to see all of you. But we have one special person that has been gone for quite some time uh, due to various and sundry things in his life. But this morning we are privileged uh, because he has, uh, anybody that knows anything about college, you know college is unique and anybody that serves in the Citadel, you know you don't get to go home very often. And uh, Storm got one day to choose to go home. Storm could have chose to go Friday night home and then have to be back at 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon or he could choose Saturday after lunch to go home and go home on Sunday at 4 o'clock he texted me on the phone he said don't tell anybody pastor he said but I think I'm going to use my only day off so I can come to church on Sunday so we are so glad that Storm is here and we are proud of him he is doing very well Um, he says it's tough he's lost some weight and sleep his, his, I, he told me this morning, or he told me, his family told me, and Storm told me the other day, his dad told me the other day, actually said, uh, Pastor, he said, I know you really love preaching the gospel, but Storm really wants to go eat Cinco de Mayo and get a nap before he has to go back to the Citadel. So if there's ever a Sunday you felt like preaching to end early, this would be a good Sunday to start. So we're going to do our best to get him out of here so that Cinco de Mayo can feed him and he can get at least a couple hour nap before he goes to the Citadel. But can we one more time tell him how much we're glad to see him today? God bless you. The book of Mark, chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 24. Here we go. Let's read the word of the Lord together. And so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And there was a certain woman who had of issue or a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things and from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. She touched his garment, for she said unto herself, If I can only just get the touch of his clothes I know I can be made well immediately the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone from him turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my clothes but his disciples said to him Lord do you not see how many people are around you how can you ask such a question who touched me he said no no no, something different happened he said I, I, I he looked around to see for who had done this thing for the woman was fearing and trembling and he she knew what had happened she felt a difference in her life she came and she fell before him and she told him the whole truth he said to her your faith is what made you well go in peace and be healed of your affliction when miss Mary called me a couple weeks ago and told me her story and I began to think I was preaching through some other things in my head I thought today when I knew that there was a sermon specifically for the day she would return home and she could share her testimony if if you didn't notice the entire song selection today had everything to do with healings and miracles he I believe you're my healer I believe you're more than enough you said it I believe it it is done let me tell you about my Jesus 
all of them had a theme that it's all about Jesus. So today I want to talk to you on this simple thought. What a difference a day makes. What a difference. You know, the old song said it always, you know, it always makes a difference when Jesus passes by. Can I tell you that I don't know what you're going through, but what a difference one day with Jesus can make in your life. What a difference he made. What a change he made in our lives. Eternal Father, I come before you right now to ask you to hide me behind the cross of Calvary and help me to preach your unadulterated word. Lord, I pray today that you would help me, God, to not be seen or heard, but you be seen and heard and glorified. Father, I pray you would help us to not only be hearers of this word, but doers thereof likewise. Father, I pray that every note that has been played, song that has been sung, message that has been given, and scripture that has been read has been for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And I commit the remaining portion of this service into the loving arms of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ and the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. As you're seated today, let me say, my wife says thank you to all of you who have been praying for her. Uh, she is still not able to, to be here today. She is still having really uh, debilitating migraines and um, in terms of the spinal fluid and, and is, is getting real nauseous and kind of on bed rest. And so uh, we're praying that she can get better so she can get back to work. But uh, she wanted, she said she was so sorry she couldn't be here this morning, but she wanted everyone to know that uh, she would do her best to watch online, but that she uh, appreciated the prayers. One of my favorite uh, things about history is I'm always a sucker for the underdog. I love sports. Sports are my thing, my hobby. Some people fish, some people hunt. I know a bunch of you guys have already felt God's calling on your life, and you've been praying at 5 o'clock in the morning since the middle of August because you've been deer hunting. And uh, some of you have already had the favor of the Lord rest upon you because you've shot some of those. And, uh, and you're just waiting to cook some of those and, and have them processed. But I love the good comeback story. And one of my favorite comeback stories of all time happened not that long ago. The Chicago Cubs were facing the Cleveland Indians in the 2016 fall classic known as the World Series. The Chicago Cubs were down three games to one, and the Cleveland Indians only had to win one more game to clinch the World Series. And up to that point, according to baseball historians, any time a team was down three to one in the World Series, no one had actually come back to win the World Series. But that wasn't the only thing holding back the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs not only faced the bleakest of odds to win it, but they had not won a World Series in over 108 years, since 1908. It looked like the curse of the billy goat, as they called it in Chicago, was going to happen again. They were going to be so close, yet so far. However, with their backs against the wall, the Cubbies, as the townspeople affectionately known them as, the Cubbies mounted a glorious and an epic comeback that will never be forgotten by baseball historians. They came back and won three games in a row and clinched 2016 World Series. They did something no one else had done before. Their, their, their backs was against the wall. It was, seemed impossible. It seemed like there was no way. And yet against all odds and hundreds of years of history to back it up, they were able to break the curse. Can I tell you today that life is like that? A lot of people's lives, they feel like their back's against the wall. 
There's no way out. It's impossible. But can I tell you, Jesus specializes in comeback stories. He specializes in making the impossible become possible. Life is full of them. Some people would call them miracles. I was reminded of the 1980 Winter Olympics in which the United States was to play the Soviet Union in a hockey match, and it was supposed to be a decimation to, of, of the gold cup, uh, of the gold, if you will, uh, medal game against the United States. They gave the United States no chance against the mighty Russian hockey team. And yet, what is now effectually known in the sports world as the miracle on ice, four points to two, the United States beat as the underdog champs the Soviet Union hockey team the Bible is full of stories that are littered its pages with comebacks fresh starts miracles today's text that I read is so fitting because it applies to all of those same characteristics what a difference a day makes because to truly understand the story I just read you really have to go back to the start of the day you have to go back at the beginning of the day. You have to even go back to the previous chapter to get where the day started. Let me tell you how this particular day started. Towards the end of the afternoon of the previous day, towards evening, Jesus sends his disciples on a boat and says he's going up to a mountain to pray. He prays until the wee hours of the morning. Well, if you know anything about time at midnight, it starts a new day. And so Jesus is not with the disciples when it goes from day one to day two. But after day two is already on the horizon, it's in the middle of the night, it's about three o'clock in the morning, there's a storm that shows up. This is how the day started. The disciples haven't even seen the light of day before they're in the middle of the storm of the day. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people walking through this life, they're looking for the S-O-N to shine, but before they even can find Jesus, they already find themselves in a mess, in a storm, before the light ever shines in their life. Into that three o'clock in the morning, they see Jesus walking on the water. And Jesus starts the day by calming a raging storm and saving the lives of his disciples. Can I tell you that even when your day starts out as hell in a handbasket, God's already coming to you before you even knew what was coming towards you. He was already on the scene. He finally gets in the boat. They cross over. They get over their boat lands in the regions, the region known as the Gadarenes. As Jesus immediately steps off this boat, he is fine. He finds a man with an unclean spirit. Jesus begins to the spirit of the Lord through Jesus gives this opportunity for this man to be clothed in his right mind. And, and all the townspeople are amazed at how Jesus did a miracle in the cemeteries of the Gar, uh, Garde, uh, Gardarines. On his way back from his experience with the unclean spirits of that region, Jesus is approached by a religious leader around lunchtime. A man by the name of Jairus, the Bible calls him, comes to Jesus and says, I am a ruler. I, I am a religious elitist. I am a ruler of the synagogue. I, I am someone who has clout and notoriety. I am someone that everybody in town respects. But I got a problem. Can I tell you what this, what this day tells me? Is that you can be a nobody or you can be a somebody, but everybody's got problems. It doesn't matter who you are. 
Nobody wanted to deal with the unclean spirit in the cemetery. Nobody was on the raging seas. And nobody always, and not everybody was a named person. The disciples were on the sea. We never find the mention of the name of the guy that was in the cemeteries at the Gadarenes. But Jairus gets a name because he was a religious, the elitist, if you will, of the day. Whether the world knows your name or whether the world doesn't know your name, God knows your name. And that's the only one that needs to know who you are. J. Iris says, I have a little girl. She's the pride and joy. She's the apple of my eye. She's my sweetheart. She's daddy's little girl. She's 12 years old. We have did ballet together. We have played Barbie dolls together. I remember the day she was born. No doubt the heart of J. Iris is moved with pain because his daughter has taken sick with a fatal disease. The doctors have told J. Iris, your daughter is going to die. J. Iris doesn't know what to do. He's got the money. He's a religious leader. He's a synagogue official. He's got connections. He's got networks. He can call anybody to help him. He can, but nobody can help him. Even with all his connections, nobody can help him. Can I tell you today, you can have all the connections you want to, but nobody can help you like Jesus can, no matter who you're connected. You better be connected to him. The reality of it is, J. Iris gets Jesus' attention. No doubt Jairus had to feel pretty good about himself because Jesus says, all right, I, I don't really have anything on the schedule right now. I'll go with you. Let's go to your house, Jairus. But there's a problem. I just read you the problem in Matthew 5, 24. I mean, in Mark 5 and 24, they get interrupted. See, sometimes life will throw you interruptions in the, and you didn't want them or you didn't expect them. Your life can just be going along. You've tried to, you, some po- folks have mastered the art of the chaos. They've learned to, to, to handle the chaos. They've learned to deal with the problem. They've learned how to handle it. They, they, and some folks even think they've, they've talked enough to Jesus enough to get it kind of under the blood and be all right. But they don't like it when life interrupts their world. People don't like interruptions. We teach our kids from the time they're young, young, when adults are talking, what they don't interrupt me when I'm talking to an adult. We teach them not to. We, we don't want interruptions. You're in a task. You're in a conference call. You're, you're doing something for your job. Most people put on their door, do not disturb. What are they asking you to do? Not interrupt them. We don't like interruptions. J. Iris is in need, but yet there was an interruption in his plan. Can I tell you that sometimes interruptions in life, that does not mean God has forgotten your problem either. God can multitask better than we can. And I want you to understand today that just because you think something has interrupted your plan, sometimes God may be the one actually interrupting your plan because he's got something bigger on the horizon that you cannot comprehend. He interrupted your plans. For his ways are not my ways, neither his thoughts my thoughts. For his ways are so much higher than my ways, and so his thoughts. Sometimes I can't comprehend why God does it. I just have to trust God knows why he's doing it. What a difference a day makes. So the first thing I want to see is there's a precedent here set. We know for a fact in this precedent that medical records of the day have revealed that no one had ever had this kind of problem. We have 
through. We have, uh, if you will, uh, uh, looked through Scripture. We have, we have combed through Scripture. We have seen Jesus raise multiple dead people. We've seen Jesus heal multiple blind people. We've seen Jesus heal multiple lame people. We've seen Jesus heal multiple mute people. We've seen, well, we've never heard of anybody having a problem like this woman had. Nowhere else in Scripture had anybody been documented to have faced hemorrhaging. Internal hemorrhaging. Bleeding. Nobody. She's been battling for 12 years. If you know biblical numerology, the number 12 is a governmental number. She had been battling her infirmity the same amount of years Jairus' daughter has been living. You ever met somebody that's They've been, they, you, you say something to them, you'll say, you know, how long you've been saved? And they'll say, oh, I've been saved 30 years. And somebody'll say, man, you've been saved longer than I've been alive. You met people like that, they've got history. You know, some of you in here, y'all got grandchildren that's my age. Y'all been around a while, you know. I'm holding 25 strong, I know. I look good. Y'all tell me. But the reality of it is this. There are people in this world that have been battling problems longer than we've been alive. And so what makes me think that my problem should supersede their problem? What makes me think that I'm more qualified for God's divine intervention than they are? There's been people in this life that have walked through hell and high water longer than I've been breathing. They've been asking God for help. See, I don't know if Jesus already knew what he was going to tell Titus and Timothy and Paul in the New Testament. But I wonder if Jesus, when he got stopped by this interruption, thought to himself. But in about, I don't know, 40, 50 years from now, from this moment in time, I'm going to find a young preacher and I'm going to ask him to write the following verses. Older women must teach the younger women how to behave in conduct and dress and spirituality. So what this story tells me, if Jesus lets an older generation die at the hands of a younger generation, then who's going to take the younger generation and help them figure out how to get through hell in high water because they've not been where you've been yet. So Jesus can't let the old die because they needs them so they can help the younger ones live on. So Jesus stands there. This woman is socially separated. She has no friends. She's spiritually separated. Because according to the Levitical law, because of her flow of blood, she was considered unclean. For 12 years, she hasn't gone to church. Hello. Listen to what I'm just about to preach. We may get to part two next week because Storm's got to go to Cinco de Mayo. But before he goes to Cinco de Mayo, I'm going to give you a Mayo Mayo right now. All right? There are people that wish they could come to church, but they're providentially, providentially hindered. And there are well-abled people who would go to church but are too lazy to get up to come to church. Let me say it again because some folks didn't get that, so let's just go ahead and be Pentecostal again. There are some folks that wish to God they could switch places with people and come to church, but they can't. And there are well-abled people who could come to church but won't get up and come to church. This woman wasn't that she didn't want to go to church. 
It wasn't that she didn't want to serve in the nursery. It wasn't that she didn't want to sing on the praise team. It wasn't that she didn't love God. She couldn't go to church. She couldn't leave the nursing home. She couldn't leave the bedside. She couldn't leave the dying loved one. She could not come. But when she couldn't come to him, he came to her. Can I tell you, you say, oh, Pastor, you're just beating us about not coming to church. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that if you really can't come to church, that's one thing. But there's also a level that sometimes Jesus may not come to you because you could come to him. But if you can't truly get to him, he will come to you. You notice Jesus didn't go to Jairus' house first. Jairus had to come to Jesus first and ask him to come to the house. But the woman had to just happen to be in the same vicinity Jesus was passing by. See, sometimes Jesus will pass by, but you may miss it because you weren't there when he came by. Hello. Precedent was she can't even go to church. She can't do anything. She had no example or case to look back on. It wasn't like she could go to the doctor and say, can you pull up this case? Can you pull up other surgeons? Can you pull up other people who have walked around? Can you pull up a history of how do people like me cope with this disease? There wasn't any reference point. She walked in uncharted territory. Can I tell you today that many people face that stark reality? Everybody that smiles ain't happy. Everybody that looks fixed up ain't content. Tears don't always show on Sunday morning makeup, but they do show up on Saturday night pillows. Hello, preacher. There are some folks that cried their eyes out last night on pillows, but smiled walking in the door today. And you think, oh, they look so great. God bless you. We're so glad to see you don't know they're living in hell at home. Church is their out. Church is their hope. Church is all they've got. Because when they walk through the door after lunch today, they walk back into tears and sorrow and fighting. And frustration, they walk back into hell at home. Wounds are often covered up. Nobody walks around shirtless to show you their open heart surgery scars. They don't go, look at my scars. They cover them up. They don't want you to see that their chest has been cracked and all their bones look disproportionate. They don't want you to see the big scar that's running down the center of their chest or scars. What do they do? I've seen people that have skin diseases where the pigmentation changes colors and so they have splotching what they call splotching of the skin and they're different colors and so they may have like dark spots and they have almost like uh, like like spots like a leopard they have different places and due to speaking so what will those people do they wear long sleeve shirts why they don't want you to see the scars the wounds when teenagers start cutting they don't walk around with sleeveless shirts so that everybody can see the arms they're cutting they wear long sleeve shirts and hoodies so nobody knows what they do in their bedroom at night but spiritually, we've done the same thing. We have mastered the art of hiding behind the veil of life. We come to church and we look put up, put together, looking fresh, knowing good and well deep down inside we're not okay. We're just not. And see, J. Iris and this woman, both of them had needs. But can I tell you that even when you feel like you're walking in uncharted territories, there's a God that's already calmed raging seas before he ever got to your house. So while you're walking through a storm and you're facing life's boisterous winds and raging waves, Jesus that morning has already calmed storms, so he specializes in keeping things under control. 
And isn't it interesting that Jesus started the day in prayer because he knew what a difference a day with the Lord will make. He knew if I just spend a little time with the Father, what a difference the rest of this day. I'm telling you, you get up in the morning and you spend a little time with your Heavenly Father, I'm telling you, what a difference your day will make. I'm telling you, if you take some time throughout the day and crack open these holy pages of Scripture and just spend 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever you can with the Lord, uninterrupted, and, and make sure that you and God have a moment, I'm telling you, what a difference that day will make. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with that temptation provide a way of an escape that you may be able to bear it. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say there won't be times in your life that things are unbearable. That's not what it says. Everybody says, oh God says he won't put, more on, put on me more than I can bear. That is not what that scripture says. That scripture does not say God's not going to sometimes let you be overtaken. What it says is he won't let you be tempted to the point that he doesn't provide a way out for you. What are you trying to tell me, preacher? I'm telling you sometimes God lets you be overwhelmed because the only way you'll ever need a Savior and look to him is if you are overwhelmed by things. Because if you're not overwhelmed, you may not think you need the Lord. So sometimes he lets you be overwhelmed just to say, now do you want me to help you this time or not? It's a precedent that he sets. John, 1 John 4 and 4 tells us, Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You've got aid. You've got assistance. You've got help on your side. Now I'm going to quickly, I'm gonna, we'll pick up part two next week. Not only was there a precedent that this woman had to face, couldn't go to church, couldn't do anything, but she had to deal with people. Now I could preach all day here to the point that I may not have a church when it was over but most problems are not the church building in church most problems aren't the septic tank issue in church they happen but that's not really the problem most problems are not the coffee makers malfunctioning from time to time the problems, the most problems of church are not the hot water heaters that blew up last night where we don't have hot water in the restrooms today because we've got to replace the hot water. That's not really a big problem. That is a problem. But not big. You know where most problems start with? People. It's, it's, like, it's like the two Ps. People and problems go together. They just do. It, it does, you can have a church of 50 or you can have a church of 500. A church of 500 is great for all those people. who I hear people all the time talk about, man, I can't wait that our church gets to 250, 300, 400. I think, you're an idiot. I don't say that to them. Because the more people you have, guess what you also inherit? More problems. Now you have more bathrooms to fix. Think about it. We only had four stalls to worry about. What if I had 20 that were overflowing? We now have a swimming pool for a church. At least I only, I could, a shop vac took care of it when it overflowed a couple months ago. If I have 20 stalls per bathroom, we might as well wing our waiters and swimming trunks and just have baptism in the restroom because I have water everywhere. Problems. The bigger is not always better. Sometimes that's just more problems. Sometimes it's great to only pastor three people. It's easier to keep them happy. In fact, I have figured out that most people should just pastor their little family. Them, their wives, and their kids. Because most of the time they already know they don't like each other so they can tolerate them. It's the other people that don't like them that bothers them. People. 
she said the precedent. She couldn't go to church. There was a precedent. But there was also people. Most of life's problems center around people. People were probably talking constantly about how bad she looked. Oh, don't, don't look at me today like we're all saved in here and super self-righteous. Y'all know, y'all, we do the same thing. As soon as y'all leave church today, if somebody has one extra wrinkle on their eye than they had last Sunday morning, y'all gonna call somebody and be like, did you see Sister Ann? She's going through something, isn't she? I think she had more wrinkles than I've ever seen her before in her life. How do you know? Do you count them? I ain't never counted somebody's wrinkles to see how many they had. How do you know they have more today than they've ever had before? How do you know? You know what I'm saying? We, we do it all the time. Oh, pastor. Pastor, did you see Sister So-and-so? Man, she looks bad. What does looking good look like? Sister, sister So-and-so, she looks bad. She's 92 years old. She looks bad. What do you expect? She's not going to look like a model. She's weathered some storm. There's going to be some cracks and fills. It's just going to happen. Anti-aging cream doesn't work that well. And you can be wrinkled, but Botox just accentuates the wrinkles more. Now you just look like a swollen basketball with indigents to play. You know what's true? People try to fix it. You can paint an old barn all you want to, but if you don't fix the boards, it's still an old barn. Paint only does so much. Come on, you know it's true. People talk about stuff all the time. Oh, Pastor, I wonder why I see, people be called. Did y'all see Sister Carol played the organ Sunday with one shoe on and one shoe off? wonder why she took her shoe off. Who cares? Maybe she didn't like the way her feet smelled. I don't care. What does it matter? But we laugh, but that's what happened in the Bible. You can, you can go throughout Scripture many times. Jesus was approached with people that had infirmaries, and everybody in town said, so what sin did they have in their life? Jesus, obviously, if they are blind, they must have sinned since birth. Their parents must have had sin in their life. There must have been something. No, problems happen whether or not you're perfect or not. God is, God is no respecter of persons, but neither is the devil. And sometimes, it's not that anybody did anything wrong. It's just called life. <laughs> it's life. People. I'm going to stop here. Miss Carol, come your way. We're going to pick up on people because i got more to say about people. But I want you to think about people so that by next Sunday you can think about maybe it's you that we're going to talk about next week. People. I'm going to talk to you about the different types of people that she faced. There was multiple people she faced that day. I can't tell you how many times in ministry, in a church, more conversations centered around other people and their problems rather than just pay attention to the two-by-four in your own eye and quit worrying about the specs in somebody else's. You know, in the old days, I won't say anybody here did it because all of us in here are saved, so I know you never did this. So I'm going to talk about all the other churches that don't have saved people. People used to love using prayer requests as gossip sessions because it felt like they were justified to share everybody's business in an open forum and say, well, I did it under the umbrella of prayer. Pastor, please pray for Brother Jim and Sister Sally. You know he cheated on her. Why? Was that necessary? You could have just said Brother Jim and Sister Sally are going through a difficult season in their life right now. Pastor, I would just like for us to pray for them. Yeah, people get out there. Pastor, pray, pray for Sister Mary. She's got cancer. Now, this is not true, but you know she smoked all her life. That's probably where it came from. Who cares? 
That was not necessary. That, 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 that had no bearing on the request. None. Some of y'all ain't laughing now because some of y'all were in them church services. I can feel that already. Y'all were in those services. But the reality of it is people will always be people. People will hurt you. People will turn their back on you. People will, people will abandon you when you need them most. And can I tell you that even when you think you've got a large group of friends, because your Facebook says you got 693, you let you hit rock bottom, you'll find out you got about five. 690 of them peel off. They don't want your problem. They're fine with you as long as you're given. They don't want to have to do anything in, resp in response. I'm glad I serve a God that doesn't leave me when it's convenient. He doesn't bail when it's not really a good time. I'm glad I serve a God that didn't say, well, I'll help you only when it kind of fits in my schedule. But any other time you call, you ever met people that say this? Hey, do you ever need anything? Brother Lee, do you ever need anything? But he just called me. And you call them and guess what they always have? A reason why they can't help you. Hey, man, brother, Larry, call me anytime he calls. Oh, I'd help you, but you know what? I, I'm Right now I'm working in the yard, and I got to get this done. Okay, I understand, all right. A couple months later, brother Larry calls. Brother Jonathan, can you help me? Oh, I would, but uh, my dog's got an ingrown toenail, and we got a vet appointment at 2, and I'm going to have to take it because Fido can't walk properly with his paws. Oh, I understand, I understand. Most people's dogs are treated better than their kids. I get it. Calls a couple. He said, hey, brother Jonathan, you... You can, can you give me about 10 minutes of your time? I'm up, at, I'm up at the church. I just need somebody to help me offload some cardboard for VBS. Hey, if you're in the area, can, can you help? Brother Larry, I would, but you know what? I, I've got I've to go to lunch with somebody I had not seen in 20 years. Oh, I understand. See, what happens is people all the time, they just keep making excuses. People will always be people. We're going to talk about some of those people next week, but here's what I want you to understand. You serve a God. We, we sang about it. We had songs that listed it about his intangibles. He breaks the unbreakable. He moves the immovable. He specializes in impossible. He's a healer. He's a portion. He's a deliverer. There's some of you in this house that the precedent over your life is you're nobody. You're nothing. Your problem's too big for anybody to help you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. Some of you in here, the world's falling apart. Everything's just falling apart the scenes around you. Everybody that was your friends bailed on you because they don't want to be stuck to the stigma of being associated with you in the season you're in. Some of you got more problems that are insurmountable and bearable. You got family that is sick. You got you got loved ones that are going through difficult seasons with their health, and you're trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B and how not to drown in the process. The precedent is you got problems, and the reality of it is there are people that always said they're gonna be there with you, but ain't all of them there right now when you need them. Some of you got siblings that ain't pulling their weight. Some of you got spouses that ain't pulling their weight at home. Some of you got family members that ain't pulling their weight. Some of you got co-workers that ain't pulling their weight at the job. They're all supposed to be helping you, but they're watching you drown. That's good preaching if you are Baptist this morning. I'm telling you that right now. I feel that. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus knows you got a problem. But he ain't like most people either. He's the same yesterday and today and tomorrow 
and Tuesday and Wednesday. The same God that healed Mary Weaver two weeks ago is the same God that's going to be with you in Monday morning, tomorrow morning. He stays the same. So here's what I want to tell you today. And then we'll pick up part two. Jesus started out the day calming seas, saving the disciples. He started out healing people with unclean spirits. And he started out by the middle of the afternoon hanging out with the nobility, the notoriety, the named people of the Bible, the who's who of town. But as you saw this morning and as we'll pick up next week, but even the people that nobody else seems to care about and have walked over and have abandoned, God still finds time to stop to talk to them too. And when you can't get to him, he will come find you. Put your head bowed and your eyes closed. Two questions today. Question number one, Pastor, I don't know the Lord and Savior. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior and the full pardoning of sin, but I want to ask him in my heart so that I can be saved. If you don't know Jesus as Lord in your life and you want to be saved today, we just put your hand up. No one looking around but me and Jesus. Is there anybody today that says, I don't know Jesus? And they would like to close the service out. Somebody having that opportunity. Second question is this, and then I'm done. Did anybody today say, Pastor, I'm going through, a, there's a precedent. I'm going through a situation. I've been dealing with people. I've been dealing with problems. And I feel like I'm all alone. I'm on this island all by myself. Would you pray for me today that Jesus could do that same thing in my life like he did for that woman and what a difference one day will make? You came to church this morning. Why don't you leave here less stress? Why don't you leave here today less hurt? Why don't you leave here today with more joy and more hope? And more you, got, you made the effort to get here today. Why leave the same way you came? You made the effort to come into his presence. Why carry it home? Why carry it with you? Anybody that say, Pastor, I need that same thing Jesus did for her to happen for me. I need him to make a difference in my life today. You just slip your hand up. You don't have to tell me why. Is there anybody that says, Pastor, just pray for me today. I got a lot going on and I just need it. Yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. God bless you. Yes, all over the house. Every, everyone, if you would, please stand all over the house. I'm going to ask you to grab, if you don't mind, the grab, grab the person's hand that's standing beside you. You don't know whose hand was raised. Only God and I know. But can I tell you today, church, and I believe this with all my heart, and then I'm letting you go, but I believe this with all my heart. That God loves you. You don't have to leave this place. For every one of you that raised your hand, nobody knows but me and Jesus, so you don't have to give it away. For every one of you that raised your hand, you picked the right day. You picked the right day. What a difference one day can make. You made the effort. You got dressed. You put the makeup on. You, you, you drove the car. You did whatever. You, you made an effort to get here. You got here. But can I tell you, you don't have to leave here the same way you drove here. You picked the right day for God to make a difference. Oh, what a difference one day with Jesus can make in your life. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Eternal Father, I know there are men and women whose hearts are heavy, whose, whose precedents, there's problems, there's, there's things in their lives that are insurmountable. God, I know that there are people under the sound of my voice, God, that have walked through tumultuous days and tumultuous seasons and are dealing with things at home and dealing with things at the job. 
But God, I want today for them to be encouraged and know that there's a God that's on, the, on their side. There's a God that loves them. There's a God that is always as close as the mention of his name. God, I want them to leave this place today knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that they, they don't have to leave the same way. But what a difference one day makes. Just giving it to Jesus, they could have come in broken. They could have come in heavy hearted. They could have come in sad. They could have come in depressed. They could have come in lacking joy. They could have come in stressed to the max. But they don't have to walk out of here that way. They can walk out of here with a peace that surpasses all understanding. They can walk out of here with hope that seems for the hopeless situation. They can walk out of here with joy in the midst of sorrow. They can walk out of here with knowing God is for them. So what can be against them? They can walk out of here knowing there's a healer and there's a deliverer and there's a restorer of time and all the years the caker worm and the lotus worm have taken there's a God that can restore all things back to order in from beginning they can leave this place with the marriage put back together they can leave this place with health and well-being they can leave this place with a financial breakthrough whatever they have need of they can leave today because one day can make a difference with Jesus Christ just one day but God ultimately they have to give it to you you can't take it from them until they're willing to release it to you you're not you're not a God that's a thief you don't just steal and take that which you don't are not freely given so God I'm asking for every man woman boy or girl that raised their hand today that they would hand you their pre the precedent, the, the problem, whatever they face, they hand it to you right now and say, God, I need the joy. God, I need the peace. God, I need the love. God, I need the miracle. God, I need the breakthrough. Whatever it is, God, let them transfer it into your hands. Because when it's placed in the hands of the master, everything else changes when it's all said and done. Let today be a difference maker. Let people leave this place today. Whether it happens when they go home today or tomorrow or Tuesday or whenever, let them be able to come back like Sister Mary did today and shared her testimony. Let them be able to come back in the near future and say to this church and to before God and man, oh, what a difference he made in my life. One day with Jesus is sweeter than all the days before. Father, I pray this in the name of the Father. Son, I pray you would bless us and keep us. You let your eternal grace shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts till we come again. Let the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and blessed Redeemer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit of God, we pray. And the church together said amen. Amen. Before Brother Randy closes us out with our benedictory prayer, don't forget.